This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Psychosynthesis is a new dance production described as a powerful, dynamic, fast-paced theatrical show which showcases the struggles faced by both individuals and communities at large during the pandemic. Presented by the Kenny Shim Dance Collective or KSDC and Asia Ballet Theatre, ABT, the production features a fully local cast of talent and I'm going to find out what's in store from Kenny Shim himself. He is the founder of Kenny Shim Dance Collective. He's also the choreographer of this production. Also joining us, Amira Retza. She's a dancer and a pioneer at Kenny Shim Dance Collective. She's also the production and rehearsal manager for Psychosynthesis and Robe Lim, a dancer from Asia Ballet Theatre. Welcome all of you. How are you today? Hi, we're good. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining me today. So nice to have you guys in the studio with me today. And please forgive me as I muddle through the name. It is a lovely name, Psychosynthesis. So sort of like photosynthesis, right? But with That's the... correct, yeah. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it has a lot to do with with the uh, pandemic and I think the repercussions of it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But maybe we can just start off by getting to know all of you better. Maybe, Kenny, I can start with you. Can we talk a little bit about your own path into dance? You know, tell me a little bit about how you began training in ballet and and contemporary dance. I know you studied in in England, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Um, So... I started dance at the very late age, uh, comparatively. Um, I think professionally training only at the age of 18. So my first proper ballet class was like about 17 in preparation to my first audition in the UK. Um, Eventually, I then um, was accepted into Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance. I started training there and eventually I did my master's in London Contemporary Dance School and joined Edge Dance Company. And ballet, is that a particular love of yours? Does it have a special place in your heart? Uh, Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I think I do admire the technique. I do admire the form and Mm -hmm. I believe um, that the technique has much to offer. Um, No, because unfortunately I'm not exceptionally good at it. Oh, you're being <laughs> modest, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. But, you know, clearly, and I know you, and I know that, you know, it was um, it was a big decision, isn't it? Coming back from London to Malaysia, you came back in 2018, am I correct? Um, uh, 2016, 2016, actually. 2016, sorry, yeah. you came mm. back. Um, and that was an important decision, right? I mean, what made you decide that, you know, you wanted to come back here? Um, frankly, it is a decision. However, I think, stars just kind of align itself and naturally i my contract with hr's company has completed so um i've decided to kind of find odd jobs to stay afloat for a little while um and eventually brexit kicked in as well so all of that combined together um just kind of led my way back to Malaysia and I was thinking to myself maybe let's just try coming back home and let's see what happens from it and so far Malaysia has been very kind very very kind to me and I have thoroughly enjoyed myself creating work 
um, educating dance in Malaysia so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you started the Kenny Shim Dance Collective, right? Uh, talk to me a little bit about you know uh, why you founded it and what it is that you do. Primarily, when I first started Kanishim Dance Collective is when I first came back. Sure. I wanted to showcase some of my works. Um, at that time, it was a triple bill. So three pieces um, that forms an evening of performance and that happened in DPAC. Mm-hmm. I was looking for dancers and someone was asking, how should we address this group of dancers? I was like, um, maybe Kanishim Collective. So there are many... Uh, iterations of names prior to the <laughs> final name that's been decided just actually two years uh, a year ago sorry a year ago okay. um, so yeah primarily is that we are a collective of dancers that comes together um, based in Malaysia um, with um, with a purpose to create work that's relevant that's dynamic and also to continue education educating the scene um, or rather students for in the in in the form of contemporary arts, mm-hmm. you know, um, and eventually it's kind of caught on, caught on, caught on, and now we are um, relatively stabilizing with a group of consistent dancers because there was always a switch of dancers every year. But this year, this past two years, we have been having the same group of dancers, which is great. Okay. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we we march on stronger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it looks really strong in this production. Uh, again, we'll get to that. But Amira, maybe I can talk to you a little bit. So I mentioned uh, a pioneer of uh, Kenny Shim Dance Collective. So Kenny must have been uh, quite uh, <laughs> quite influential in, in your decision also to pursue dance? Uh, Definitely. I came back to Malaysia not uh, with the intention of pursuing dance. Uh, I never studied it professionally. Um, It really was just a matter of maybe it's something I could do after work to de-stress. So meeting Kenny was not in the cards, not (laughs) really not planned. And um, he gave me the opportunity. He approached me actually initially with psychosynthesis, which I took on just as a dancer. Um, this production, as you may know, was pushed back many times. Yes. And I think throughout the year, throughout the two years, we formed a friendship. And I think just working together a lot, being very familiar with the way um, with the way we collaborate, mm-hmm. um, it organically transitioned from dancer to more of a leadership role on my part, sure. um, which I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Um, it's obviously such an honor to work with a very talented, uh, creative uh, choreographer who also has a very strong business mind that I admire. He has he has great knowledge in how to network and how to promote his brand, Kenishim Dance Collective. So I admire both sides, the creative and the more business entrepreneurial side. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're making me blush. I was just going to say yeah. Kenny's blushing in the corner yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> you're making me blush. <laughs> but for you yourself, you know, Kenny mentioned how he sort of got into dance. How was it? What was it like for you? Well, I think like many little girls in Malaysia, we my parents just put me into ballet as something to do after school. Okay. Uh I was quite boisterous as a child, so maybe this was some way I could uh, inherit some grace. Um, (laughs) But um, it was more of an extracurricular activity for me. Um, I was was doing it maybe twice a week, but uh, I craved for these classes. Um, I didn't get to pursue it professionally. I went to London to study... Um, business and economics. Um, <laughs> so it was quite, it's quite a different pathway, I think, from the rest of the dancers who did have a very dance-centric 
professional path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so really, I think I'm doing it a lot out of passion. Okay. Yeah. But I think that's where your love for, you know, what Kenny's doing as well, that mix of both the professional, uh, sorry, the, both the business side, but also the creative side, isn't yeah. it? Marrying mm-hmm. those two sides. And that is so critical. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, right? That's how it has to be. Um, Ruby, if I can just talk to you a little bit. Um, so you, of course, are a dancer from uh, Asia Ballet Theatre. Yeah. Uh, I believe Kenny is your teacher. I was saying yes. off air, this is your chance to to say it all about him. <laughs> but <laughs> tell me a little bit about your own journey into dance. Um, so it's actually a really funny story. I started dance since I was three and actually it was because I was flat-footed so the doctors recommended my mom to bring me to go for ballet class mm-hmm. but back then I didn't really like think of dance as a serious career I just thought like oh I don't really like dance actually it was a hobby <laughs> back then but slowly as I grew up I slowly find that I have a passion towards dance so I started professionally training for dance at the age of 14 and then after that slowly I met Mr. Kenny well actually a funny story is that I don't think Mr. Kenny knew (laughs) oh no (laughs) she is going to say yes so no actually when I was 13 I think Mr. Kenny taught at Soul to Soul Soul to Soul Dance Studio as well so then after that I took his class I don't think he can remember (laughs) that time (laughs) because it was a long time ago (laughs) <laughs> it See, was revelations. Right revelation, <laughs> revelation. Well, maybe that's why we connect again. Yeah, yeah. so I think that it's really crazy as well because like when I was 13, I joined his class once and I didn't think that I would have the chance to learn from him again. Mm-hmm. But I think that fate brought itself and... Now I'm learning from Mr. Kenny again. Okay. You know, for, for like for you, Kenny, you said, you know, the stars were aligned, isn't it? And I think that's the se- that seems to be the case with all three of you and your connection here as well, right? I it's, have to agree. I am truly blessed to have such amazing dancers and Amira, who is absolutely brilliant. And I must say that she is a very intelligent girl. She <laughs> studies in London School of Economics. Yeah. Yeah. So she's being modest. She's being very modest. She's extremely intelligent. And this is also um, sort of a testimony that um, dance can also be part of your life, even though you're pursuing something that's not exactly dance related. And that's something that I truly admire. Okay, all right. Um, let's just go for a quick break, guys. When we come back, let's talk about the production, our psychosynthesis. I'm speaking today to Kenny Shim. He's the founder of Kenny Shim Dance Collective. He's also the choreographer of psychosynthesis. Amira Retza, she's a dancer and pioneer at Kenny Shim Dance Collective. She's also the production and rehearsal manager for the production. And Robe Lim, a dancer from Asia Ballet Theatre, also part of this production. We're going to find out more about what psychosynthesis is all about. Keep it right here on Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.
Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Kenny Shim, the founder of Kenny Shim Dance Collective, Amira Retza, a dancer, also with the Kenny Shim Dance Collective, and Robey Lim, she's a dancer with the Asia Ballet Theatre. All three are part of the new production, com- well, not really new, but, you know, going to be soon to be presented, a uh, dance production called Psychosynthesis, uh, really been described as powerful, dynamic, a fast-paced theatrical show. Kenny is the uh, choreographer of the show. Amira and both Robey are also going to be performing. We're finding out more about it today. So um, talk to me a little bit about what this show is about. So I was reading from the press release that, you know, it proudly features local talent working, and I'm going to quote here, in tandem with science, multimedia, theatrical lights and setting design to stage a visual and kinesthetic, I don't even know if I said that correctly, portrayal of COVID-19 and the repercussions of the global pandemic. Kenny, maybe you can help me uh, help us break that down. Um, if I can unpack that a little bit with um, all the bombastic words prior. <laughs> um, yeah, like I say, if I can unpack that a little bit, it's it's basically everything and everything, everything and anything about COVID. Um, from the scientific research to the um, repercussion of the virus to the mental struggles that one or the community faces from severe lockdown, um, put together in a portrayal of aesthetic presentation. Okay. Um, I know when we talk about COVID, everyone has a very negative connotation to it, and which is absolutely true. We all had a very difficult time. I want to say that this production is not just about the... the the struggles, but also, most importantly, the triumph that humanity faces. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, with compassion, with empathy, and with the sacrifices that the healthcare workers or any personnel that has pulled us through this um, difficult time, um, we want to celebrate that. So the end of the production really is about the triumph, the hope that we find, mm-hmm. um, more than the struggles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's so. That's lovely. You know. So mm. sort of the positives that came out of all that negativity that yeah. that we all endured, right? But if mm. I can just you know ask how those years were, you know, how you think uh, COVID affected dance and perhaps a dancer's work, right? And and how do you think that the pandemic helped or perhaps hurt dance in uh, into move, moving into the future? That's a very loaded question. <laughs> and it's quite heavy. I think it's a little bit difficult to represent the entire industry to say that. But what we can say is from our own experience, I guess. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. Um, what I can say for me is being a dance educator and a choreographer, it was difficult, I think, having to teach classes via virtual um, uh, through the internet, through the screen. It was definitely very difficult because it is in many ways hindering part of being part of dancing or part of learning dance it's the community um, engagement that happens at the very present moment in that same space and that pillar is has been taken away from us and that was really difficult i would say and i think it was also equally challenging for dancers as well as students. Maybe Robi can talk about how you learn classes online. <laughs> it was hard. It was a nightmare, actually, because 
learning classes online is just you facing the computer screen every day yeah. without moving. You're just sitting at home at the dining table looking at a screen and teachers just talking to you. Oh. So it was definitely hard and it's really challenging as well. But I think that it taught me to be grateful for the physical world. So since the pandemic, the lockdown has been lifted, I noticed that I've been more grateful that, oh, I can meet with my friends. I can be with my friends. I can learn together with my friends, dance together with my friends. So it's definitely a really challenging time, but it has also taught me life lessons that I didn't know that I needed. Yeah, sort of the things that we took for granted. Is yeah. it just being in the same space as somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, being in the same space as your teachers, you know, yeah. all of that taken away. And it must have been, I mean, because, you know, you're, you're still very young, obviously, but, and those are critical years in your training, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So it's like years of training. Like, for example, I was planning, I was training to go for this competition, but suddenly lockdown has just Mm. done mm -hmm. it's just gone yeah. so all the hard work that I have trained inside the studio is just suddenly just snapped gone yeah. so it was definitely devastating burn out especially dancing in a small area at home <laughs> it was definitely hard <laughs> all right. but you know things definitely are looking better but quickly can I ask Amira how was it for you though um, I think a lot of dancers will relate to this. As Robé mentioned, it's difficult dancing in a very confined space. Not many have the luxury of a studio at home. So especially initially returning back to the studio or live performances, um, stamina is sort of out of the window. <laughs> um, oh dear. Um, exercises or uh, classes online are catered for smaller spaces. It's mostly standing um maybe a bit of strength building. So when you're coming back on stage, there's a lot of traveling you'll have to do. Um, what else? I think um, the lack of physical contact with each other or um, being unable to feed off your peers' energy or your teacher's energy, that was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize such a big part of my motivation to attend a dance class is also being able to interact with my peers. And then Obviously, the big one would be physical touch. When we were returning back to the studio, there was this awkwardness or hesitancy. Am I, am I allowed to touch my yeah, friend? Yeah. Am I allowed to lean on them? Can we do lifts? Can we take off our masks? Um, so there were many challenges that I never thought I would live to see. I never thought, <laughs> I don't think all of us expected this pandemic to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, it definitely made me appreciate being in the studio a lot more. Yeah. So definitely, you know, just sort of like the negotiations that go into any sort of like interaction, isn't it? We had to sort of almost relearn yeah. Or, or, yeah, we had to rethink the way we did things. So it was all, yeah, it was a whole new world, I suppose. And um, But I mean, definitely I would say that we're coming out of it and, and there's a lot of positivity as, you know, Agreed. as yeah. you want to focus on in this mm. production. And psychosynthesis has um, undergone three phases, um, Amira, as you sort of um, alluded to, three phases of production prior to its public stage debut. Tell me what happened there. So the first <laughs> stage was um, after our first lockdown. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. The first stage was after our first lockdown when we were given the opportunity to present work again and we are hoping that things were coming back to normalcy. Um, so rehearsals started, but even then the restrictions were quite um, uh, severe and yeah. limited. Yeah, um, It was very interesting because I was working really very much, or the dancers were working very much in silos. I was grouping them in small little clusters, um, partly because number one studio needs to follow the SOP by the amount of dancers 
in the studio at one time. And at the same time, I was thinking to myself, how can I minimize the possibility of spreading the virus if, fingers crossed, touch wood, didn't happen having, having said that. <laughs> um, if, it, if it does, if yeah. one of our dancers were infected, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So, so they were all working in silos. I was the only one that was actually connecting all the little groups together. Mm-hmm. And it was really quite funny because when I said, oh, the piece is done. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they, they were like, what? What do you mean the piece is done? We barely dance anything. And you oh, said there was no. like 45 minutes of it. So yeah, um, just because that's because I'm working in, with different groups and we're patching it together eventually. But I think a week before tech week, so that's two weeks before the show, the government has called for another lockdown. Oh, no. That's when we were, yeah, that was, that was the other lockdown. So basically that was phase one. Um, phase two, we tried to continue it um, via online. However, I think it was very challenging because the nature of the work as well requires um, a lot of physical contact True. or close contact at the very least. And we thought of actually presenting the work, taking all of that away. But it just takes the essence of the, the, the work itself, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, what actually inspired me to do psychosynthesis a little, a little sideway. Uh, what really inspired me to do psychosynthesis is my craving for human contact again because of the severe lockdown that we have. Um, for months to end, we don't see people or we don't have physical contact. And part of the work is almost the need to find contact, the need to sense the physical body and to feel the physical body, which is why a lot of the work has very intricate partnering in um, in the dance itself. Okay. So yeah, um, term two, we were dis- we were thinking of presenting the work. However, um, government said no physical contact, and we were thinking, okay, that would just mean we have to redo the entire piece. <laughs> Because uh, close proximity, I think at that time, it needs to be like a meter away when you're dancing or something really absurd, which makes no sense for dancers, you of know. Um, so it's like, okay, uh, in that case, we won't present it, you know. Um, we'll postpone it. Come last year, right? Yeah, come last year, November, that was like, ah, oh, we are ready to do it. We are ready to do it. Let's go. And from a 45 minutes piece, now it has been um, developed into an hour and a half piece. Okay. So we have now two acts with a 10 minute intermission. And then government announced there could be a possibility of the election. <laughs> and everyone fingers, everyone's fingers crossed thinking that, oh, that, okay, at the time, to be fair, there were many other productions that was happening as well, not just our production. So in many ways, someone has to postpone it. Something has to happen. And just unfortunately, we were the... <laughs> Black sheep. It was that, it was that weekend. Yeah, right? it, was it was that 19. weekend. Yes, exactly. It was that weekend. Um, and Ayo. so we had many. We have several discussions about like whether if we should continue it or not. And ultimately, we thought it just makes no sense to to almost compete with such a national um, event. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to postpone it again, and now 
it's fingers crossed. It's no, no, it's going to happen. It's, it's coming happen, up, you yeah. know, right at the start of February. And um, but you did have a sort of a preview, uh, and you know, I was reading uh, Bilkis Hijess's uh, review of it in Critics Republic, and you know, she just spoke, you know, such she sang such praise of it. You know, it sounds oh. amazing. It sounds like a beautiful piece. Um, she described it as a meditation on the pandemic. You know, everything as you mentioned, Kenny. You know, the lockdowns, health system crisis, the biology of the virus to its effect on our mental health. Um, but she also spoke about the sensorial impact of this work. She said it's some amazing uh, movements and she, you know, name-checked you guys as well and said it was such amazing performances. Talk to me a little bit about putting it all together. Um, you mentioned your inspiration, of course, was that longing for touch again, right? And it's so yeah. funny because the word close contact became such a negative word yeah. during this, yes. <laughs> this pandemic, but such an integral part to your work as well, isn't it? It is. It really is. Like I say, it's almost... Um, <laughs> the craving for the physical body and the touch or mm -hmm. the connection with another human being. I think that was really the driving force of how I wanted the work to look like. Yeah. Um, there are many processes that I've gone through whilst making the work. Um, visually, I was doing a lot of um, image sighting. Okay. So if you were to see the work, you'll see a lot of circular um, geometrical shapes um, that, that, that is being formed through the connection of different dancers or different groups of dancers. Um, at the same time, I'm doing a lot of reading about what the, the mutation or the evolution of the virus is, and that's also being transformed into how the shapes of, shapes of dancers being formed into a different shape. Um, and what it does to the psyche, which is why psychosynthesis <laughs> is about really processing the trauma that, that or the unknown trauma, really, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. that one faces from severe lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and how that has informed very emotional partner work that, that's being portrayed at times because you know there are, I'm sure there are there are people out there who has been apart from family apart from their loved ones for long long months and and finally having the chance to meet each other again that very first moment where they see each other or they smile or they give that hug um, that was that inspiration for intimate partnering work that happens between several partners that, that you that I present in the work mm -hmm. um, and yeah Anything you want to add, guys? Yeah, so you're working me, on it. Yeah, let me speak to. I wanted to ask Robey actually because you are. I mean, this, of course, as I mentioned, is a collaboration with Asia Ballet Theatre. Um, and, and talk to me a little bit about you know your involvement with it, uh, how how you've responded to being back on stage and all of that. Talk to me a little bit about that. It was. I was really grateful for the <laughs> opportunity to have to get back on stage again because during the pandemic, stage is like. A far away dream you just didn't know that you could you don't know when you could get back on stage so having the opportunity thanks to mr kenny to get back on stage again is truly a blessing and it's definitely an honor of mine and i'm really grateful also to be able to work with ksdc to be able to work with mr kenny not only have i learned a lot from mr kenny i've also learned a lot through my talented dance friends which i think that you would definitely not want to miss this production because we have worked hard on it and yeah. you could see that everyone put their 
souls soul, and work right? hard, their tears, mm. sweat into this production. So I think that you would definitely not want to miss this production. And and you've got a huge cast, isn't it? Uh, I was reading something more than 20, 26, am I correct? In this in this production alone, uh, Amira? 24. 24, 24, mm. sorry. Um, talk to me, Amira, about that, you know, being in this huge cast, you know, being back on stage. Uh, talk to me a little bit about all the different uh, dance um, uh, performances that we are going to see when we come for this. Um, okay, I think that the initial stage was quite worrying <laughs> coming back into production. Like you mentioned, social distancing was such an imperative to ensure everyone's safety. And yet we were dealing with a large number of dancers, the possibility of one person getting infected and affecting the rest of production was, yeah. um, it was very risky. So uh, that was one of the challenges we had to face. Um, however, I think now that everything is returning to some semblancy of uh, a new norm. <laughs> yeah. um, we are a bit more settled. We're uh, a bit more used to working with uh, each other. Also, having gone through three terms of psychosynthesis, um, <laughs> especially I've been through it since the first term, um, it's helped me reflect a lot about what the piece is. I think building up on what Kenny said uh, about him using images of the coronavirus cell. Um, there's one scene in particular that I think different people interpret in different way, which I find quite intriguing. Um, where the dancers are basically standing stoically in two lines. And I think Kenny's initial idea was sort of the two lines represented the two dreaded lines that you see on a positive coronavirus test. <laughs> However, when the critics came for the preview night, I think they interpreted it as sort of a an army of the frontline workers battling the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Asking the dancers myself, um, some of them interpreted it as the coronavirus cell, the helical structure of the cell, because we were all just intertwined with our arms in a circular form. So almost like the coronavirus morphing into its different variants. And then I myself interpret it as <laughs> um, sort of that awkwardness that we had in the initial phases of integrating back into society where yeah. we were sort of keeping each other at arm's length. Um, so psychosynthesis really encompasses all things COVID, like the emotional side, the, the cellular structure of the virus, the mental struggles, um, as well as the scientific aspects of the virus. Mm -hmm. Listening to you describe it, I cannot wait to see it actually play out on stage. Oh my goodness me. And of course, there's music, right? I mean, remarkable music, uh, pulling all these different, uh, different performance performers and I guess performances together. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, so if anything that want, if anything that I wanted to directly represent how I feel when I'm alone was the music mm -hmm. when i when i was alone locked down that it was really the music um so the music were literally quite blood pumping <laughs> techno driven <laughs> electronic <laughs> um it's almost it's almost the opposite of how you think when you're alone simply because that's what that's how fast my mind was running sure. and I'm sure that could be said for everyone else as well at times where even though things might appear to be quite still and quite quiet but there are a thousand and one things that's going through your mind you're questioning whether you know if this pandemic ever ends you're questioning whether if frankly dance or being a dancer or being a dance educator 
is the way forward, would you still be able to sustain yourself mm -hmm. financially? Yeah. Because at any time, you'll be cut off because they don't see it as an important asset to the community or to the country, to the economy, you know, right? to yeah. the economy as well. Yeah, exactly. So all these things were running in my mind. And, and I realized that it's, it's the contrasting physical appearance to the mental struggle. And I wanted the music to be the mental struggle and the physical appearance to be the dancing bodies. So many a times, um, you can see how the dancers were almost moving away from what the music dictates. The music is going at a thousand speed. They are moving at negative a thousand speed, <laughs> the opposite direction. Oh, it's so difficult. I, I mean, I'm not a dancer, but that sounds difficult. Yeah, And, and it's a very technical dance piece as well um, because I'm working with very lovely dancers who are highly trained um, and their strength really is from the technical form, you know, okay. the classical form. Okay. So I wanted to showcase that and you would normally don't, you won't put techno and ballet together in that sense or like blood pumping douche, douche, douche with like long lines and beautiful legs <laughs> and all that. And I think that juxtaposition makes it really interesting for me. And again, it resembled how I felt when I was alone, mm -hmm. that in my room, everything seems calm and quiet. If someone were to look from the outside, but in my mind, I was going at a thousand speed, wondering when is this going to end? Yeah. What can I do to yeah. get out of this situation? Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. and, and I would be miss, I mean, it'd be remiss of me to not mention Ivy Chung. You know, she's the artistic director as well, isn't it? Talk to me a little bit about uh, you know, how she informed the pieces that uh, we are going to see when we come for the production. Um, miss Ivy has been tremendously supportive throughout this entire production. I think um, she is what I call the force behind the scene. Um, and I also tell my dancers, if she appears in the studio, we are in trouble. <laughs> so oh, scary. Yeah, if she appears in the studio, we are in trouble. It's best that she never appears. Not because we don't want her, it's because she trusts us enough, okay. you know, and she trusts us and she wants us to do what we can do the best that we could. And that she's allowing, uh, really thank you, Miss Ivy, for even trusting me in this massive project. It is a massive project. And I have to also add, this is my debut full length. It's my first full length production. Oh, wonderful. Um, comes with a lot of risk. <laughs> All great things come with risk, yes. Yes, yeah, it comes with a lot of risk that she's willing to give me this opportunity to engage her dancers, her students, and to collaborate in a manner that is, um, that is really um, collaborative, but not in an invasive way. Mm -hmm. She understood that the choreographer needed the space to do the, his work and and she allows that. And she understood that the dancers need to be in the studio to be working and not having an eye on every single detail that happened. Mm -hmm. And that comes with a lot of self-confidence and knowing very well that her dancers and, and us are able to deliver the vision that she we talked about. Um, my collaboration with her really is very, very um, verbal because um, I bounce off ideas with her. I talk to her about these other things that I would like to discover or explore. And she's very very supportive okay. and she's also much like myself a little bit very business-minded at times <laughs> so she's I must say that she has been the one that is really pushing the production forward in terms of financially you know and pushing the production forward in terms of um, getting the people knowing the production okay. hearing about the production and even teaching me many ways of running 
um, almost like a company mm. because we are 24 strong dancers. It's, it's in, in many ways a big dance company, is, you know. Yeah. Um, so she's really the force behind the scene and I am truly grateful for her her, her trust. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it sounds amazing and it's coming up uh, just in a couple of weeks. Uh, you want to talk to me a little bit about some of the other dancers that you've got? Because uh, I think it's a mix of both, the, uh, you know, um, maybe upcoming but also uh, established, right? There's a nice mix of uh, performers on stage that we're going to see. Sounds good. Amira, do you want to take that? Yeah. Rehearsal manager? <laughs> yes, rehearsal manager. Talk to me. Talk to me about um, that. Yeah, as you mentioned, it comprises of many highly technically trained dancers. You have the gorgeous, uh, very balletic uh, ABA professionals, professional students, as well as long-established contemporary dancers in the scene, namely James Khan. Uh, we had Lu Chin, Naim Sharazad. We have, we are collaborating, we are having ASK Dance Company as our okay. guest artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's been such a such a great learning process for the younger dancers to sort of look up to these veterans um, and learn from them. I think um, younger dancers are a bit more by the books, uh, whereas the older dancers they have uh, they have this self confidence that sure, I think comes sure. with the experience mm-hmm. being on stage countless times. Um, it's also really nice to see sort of the different styles or uh, yeah styles or essence that different contemporary dancers bring to it. I think their different backgrounds and trainings really inform the way in which they move. And that also inspires not just me, but the ballet dancers who may not have had as much exposure to the contemporary scene. Uh, so, yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's a really great, I would say, great mix of dancers. I think it's been um, seeing each term progresses, the development of the dancers as well as the involvement of the veterans has been more tightly knit, okay. you know, and okay. we are able to actually see how even um, the ABT dancers have, have improved in terms of the way they move and understanding how to manipulate the technique that they've learned. Okay. I think that's very important and that's what I strongly believe. Like technique is really cool, really good, but you need to be able to use it in a way that is um, engaging, mm-hmm. that it's just not about but black or white, you're moving correct, you're moving wrong, but it's about that shade yeah. that's in between the black and white. And I think that's the brilliance that's happening within the studio right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was reading, you know, this other, um, da- uh, well, she was a ballet dancer, and she was saying that, you know, you need to be really brave to sort of lay yourself out there, right? Yeah. You know, put yourself out there uh, and, and to become a character, but not just to become a character, but to sort of strip down and expose yourself, I think, mm-hmm. which is something very difficult for dancers to do as well. I don't know if it's difficult for dancers, but it's something very powerful, right, that you I, need to I do. I agree, yeah, and it's quite scary. Yeah. Talking about stripping down, uh, we have costume by Michelle Young. Um, not that we are, we are, we have costume. <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> but it is really about um, um, how would I explain the costume? It is really quite minimalist and it's um, very simple, okay. and it's really to show the capacity of what our instrument is. Each dancer really presenting our bodies to to the audience and allowing Mm -hmm. them to interpret, allowing them to understand or allowing ourselves 
to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perhaps finding an outlet in it as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, all of us have been through very different sort of trauma. Uh, and I think trauma is the word, uh, you know, coming through out of this pandemic. So, yeah, who knows what we're going to take from it and also uh, hopefully maybe find some healing from it as well, perhaps, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and for you, Robe, you know, I mean, working with, um, working with, you know, some senior dancers as well, that must have been a nice experience for you as well, uh, dabbling in contemporary dance as well? Yes, definitely, because usually we are used to training in ballet classical technique. So now we're exposed to different, a new dance genre, contemporary. So we will train our body to move for the contemporary dance, for the production, and it definitely took some time to get used to but when you see the senior dancers dancing those move you'll be inspired by them because they just look like wow i want to be them like i want to dance like them as well so you'll work harder to train yourself and i think that we have definitely progressed as well as long as though i actually also think it's a nice collaboration because you have the contemporary dancers who are not so rigid in the way they move. And it's kind of taught the ballet dancers that there's no necessarily right or wrong way. There's more of what's right for your own body Mm. and modifying the movements to fit your body. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I think the contemporary dancers were learning a lot from the ballet dancers because they had legs soaring, um, (laughs) triple turns everywhere, just effortlessly. So um, I would say both sides pushed each other a lot technically in this piece. Okay. All right. Well, cannot wait to see it. It's happening on the 4th and 5th of February. Uh, Both their performances at 3 o'clock and 8.30, p.m. at 8.30 p.m. It's happening over at Stage 1 in PJ Pack, which is over in Wan Utama. Ticket prices range from 60 ringgit to 120 ringgit, available at onetix.com.my. Uh, you can get in touch with the box office. And if you'd like to find out more, you can always email ksdc.my at gmail.com. Or you can follow them on Instagram, I believe, right? Um, at ksdc.my. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, any last message that you'd like to leave our listeners with before I let you guys go? Please come and watch us. <laughs> I promise you an exhilarating production. <laughs> it's definitely not one you would forget anytime soon. Mm-hmm. It's like an emotional roller coaster, I and do. it will definitely keep you on your toes for the whole production. So come and watch us. Thank you so much, all three of you, for Thank joining us. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Right. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. I've been speaking to Kenny Shim, founder of Kenny Shim Dance Collective and choreographer of Psychosynthesis. Amira Redza, a dancer, pioneer at Kenny Shim Dance Collective, also the production and rehearsal manager for Psychosynthesis. And Robe Lim, a dancer from Asia Ballet Theatre, going to be featured in Psychosynthesis. Again, that production is coming up very soon. Do get your tickets. You don't want to miss it. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always listen to the podcast at bfm.my or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the VFM app.